Welcome to the PokePress Digest Podcast, a Pokemon news magazine show. Here you'll find some of the best content offered by our site. For more, visit us at pokepress.blogspot.com. This time we have two segments. In our first, Anne from PV Podcast drops by to help discuss some underrated Pokemon songs. In addition to sharing our own picks, we also read some viewer submissions. Our second segment is a series of short pieces where I talk about various aspects of the Pokemon franchise. You'll hear me discuss what might be in a future Pokemon pinball, compare Mario Odyssey to Pokepark, and critique some anime characters. Thanks. Hi, I'm Stephen Reich here at the Pokepress Studios in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm on the phone with Anne from PPP Podcast. And in a break between the Advanced Generation and Diamond and Pearl movies, we're doing another special episode in this series. Today we're talking about underrated Pokemon music, uh, primarily focusing on the anime. I think that's most of what we got to talk about today, but um, that's, that's what we're covering. So, Anne and I have each picked out three songs, and uh, at the end of the episode we're also going to go over some listener comments. We love getting those, and we've got some great ones for this time around. So, first off, Anne, you picked, I'm going to use the English titles here, well, for two of them, because the third one I don't know how to say. Uh, The first one you picked is Because Everyone Was There, which is from uh, Revelation Lugia, in other words, the Japanese Pokemon 2000. And uh, then uh, Never Too Far From Home from Totally Pokemon. And then the third one is Sonogi, and you take it from here. (laughs) Soko ni sora ga arukara. Yeah, um, because uh, there we have the sky, or because there is the sky. Yeah, there we have the sky is probably how I'm going to refer to it. But anyway, it's the... No, that, that'll work. <laughs> it's the first ending theme from the Advanced Generation series. So, uh, some great choices there, uh, some of which I was more familiar with than others. But uh, I picked We're a Miracle, uh, which you may remember back from our first episode, and then I also picked Master Pokemon. Now, just just uh, before we get fully into it, I just want to say this is not to be a master or anything from that album. This is a very sort of not super well-known song that we'll go into more detail. It was shown on Kids WB a couple times and one or two other places. And the last one I picked is Pokemon Chronicles, but not the English theme from that. This is going to be the Italian theme. This is going to be give me a great opportunity to talk about some of the Italian Pokemon music, which is, uh, for the season themes, quite different from the stuff on the English side, despite being ostensibly based on that dub. But, Anne, uh, we're going to sort of alternate on this one. You get to go first with Because Everyone Was There. Tell us a little bit about the song itself. Yes, uh, so this uh, was from the Revelation Lugia soundtrack, as you mentioned. That was kind of back when they were doing character songs on each of the CDs, especially especially the second one. And you got one for Furuta um, Melody, or one for the evil villain, Lawrence III. And you got one for Satoshi, for Ash. Um, and it's performed by Rika Matsumoto. And the composer is usually credited in most places, I find, um, as Yoshikawa Choji, um, who wrote and composed some stuff for Pokemon um, and also served as an assistant producer on some of the movies and episodes like Movie 8. Um, and I usually see them credited uh, on stuff like the children's Pokemon side, like, you know, which one is it? Dochi, Nyo, 
or credited as uh, Yoshikawa Choji and the Asakusa kids. So I think this is a bit of a departure for them because I don't see them doing a lot of serious songs, but this is a very kind of introspective, sad song um, for Satoshi that ties directly to the movies, talking about like the fate of the planet and because everybody is there giving their best and suffering and doing everything they can, he can go just a little bit more. And so he kind of is asking everyone to lend them their strength for just a couple more seconds so that he can go a couple more seconds and help save the world. It's really very sweet and like bittersweet, but it ends very hopeful. Yeah, I, I didn't unfortunately get a chance to look at a translation for this one, but I did get a very, very uh, emotional uh, take out of there. Now, of course, the actual ending theme for the Japanese version of that movie was uh, Twa at Ma, which we sort of decided didn't fit the movie super well, maybe especially uh, compared to the English power of one. But uh, you had stated during that episode that this might have been a better way to sort of summarize the movie or use as an insert song or something that it really kind of belonged in there. Is that right? I absolutely feel that way. Yeah, it's just, it, it references the movie specifically. It's, it's so keyed into the emotional flow of the movie and the kind of, uh, even the music itself kind of just seems to fit the, the general theme of the musical score of that movie. So I I think it's really quite special. And it's one that doesn't get as much play, I think, for a lot of people, just because it is kind of tucked away on some one movie soundtrack and not kind of, you know, the big bombastic ending theme or something. Yeah, I'm not sure it would have worked super well in the credits as I was listening to it. <laughs> Perhaps I, not, but... I'm having a bit of difficulty kind of describing the style of it. Um, is it... What kind of genre is it? It's obviously a very much <laughs> a ballad, emotional power ballad type of thing, but I'm trying to think of a different word. Would you use... Folk, because that's kind of the vibe I get, kind of just that, especially towards the end where it's like the la 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 la, and it's kind of just got like a guitar and maybe some reverb going on, like pop folk maybe is something I might use. Yeah, it definitely has that kind of folk or maybe not really a campfire like fun song, but more like like you see sometimes in those... I, I'm so at a loss for words here on what exactly I want to say about this. For some reason, I just can't come up with uh, the right thing. Maybe kind of, I'm thinking of American Pie for some reason, not uh, the song American Pie and sort of how that is sort of, I don't know. But that, The groove that goes to that song? I don't know. I, I just can't come up with the right comparison <laughs> for this one, unfortunately. No, no, that's... I'm I'm not much better. I just know I like it. <laughs> but. Oh, it, it, it's it's good. I'm not going to say it's my favorite Pokemon song ever. Like I said, it definitely relates to the movie better than the the, the pop song they sort of picked out for it. But I, I still though, though do think that if they had put this in the end credits, I still think in that particular episode I would have picked the Power of One over it though. Yeah. Hmm. If we had had that choice. But yeah, definitely one to check out. I don't think it really is anywhere besides the uh, Japanese album, score slash vocal music album for Revelation Lugia. Maybe it's on some sort of Rika Matsumoto uh, Satoshi collection out there, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it's possible. I think she might, in fact, have like an album or something where this song is included. But yeah, it's kind of, it's a tougher find than some of the others. 
So we talked about the second movie. I think we can hop back and talk about the first one, I guess. <laughs> We're a Miracle. So we talked about this one extensively in our first movie episode. I do want to correct something there. In the, our first movie episode, I incorrectly stated that it was co-written by Peter Zizzo. That is not correct. He co-wrote Don't Say You Love Me. Uh, David Zappel was the name I meant to say there. He's the one who also worked on stuff for Hercules and Milan, including Reflection and all that stuff. So you have sort of that writing team from that song, and they produced this, which was a demo. And uh, based on, like I said, a, a, a mastering uh, CD I was able to find, it sounds like this was a fairly late addition to the soundtrack in October of 99. And, um, you know, in terms of promotion and all that stuff, it definitely gets overshadowed by Don't Say You Love Me, which I think if you ask a lot of folks, we say, oh, yeah, that's the ending theme to the first Pokemon movie. Well, sort of. It's in the credits, but it's not the first song in there. Do you think there's anything about this song that maybe leads it to being not as well remembered as maybe it deserves to be? Um, Other than just the fact that that CD in general, because it's so... It, it kind of seems like a miscellaneous pop album. Like, unless you are really a fan of Pokemon and you ascribe meaning to the songs, like, there are some songs on there that almost don't seem to belong at all. So I think sometimes We're a Miracle kind of gets thrown into that of just like, oh, they just picked a bunch of random songs. So we don't need to remember this CD as important. Like, other than that, I can't think of any real reason, because as we discussed on the episode in question, it's pretty darn close to every major theme. <laughs> yeah, the first verse totally matches up with the movie. The second verse does very well with the series. And Christina's voice, if you had to have a like stand-in singing voice for Ash, would not be entirely inappropriate, right? as it turns out. So that's sort of the gist of our discussion. But we definitely encourage you to go back and take a listen to that one. But yeah, as much as I love uh, Don't Say... You Love Me, you know, I, I do wish this song gets more credit. And uh, yeah. just one more point of clarification. As we mentioned before, this song was not written for Pokemon, the first movie, which is one of the other things that makes it so amazing. Hi, folks. This next part is actually based on a bit of a false premise. Weird Miracle did start as an unrelated song, but it was, in fact, rewritten and re-recorded for Pokemon, the first movie. Still a great song, though. <laughs> is that uh, there are alter there's an alternate version but this was just a demo that was probably recorded before the movie even came out in Japan and it just happened to find the right people and get to the right place and get you know processed into a final track and put on the soundtrack and put into the movie i i think the primary anything might have originally been it was you so, you know, maybe that goes to part of it as well. It is inc virtually perfect for this movie, but at the same time, it seems like it might have been something of a last-minute addition. So maybe, you know, obviously that sort of precludes the possibility of it getting, like, a music video of some sort, um, like they did with Don't Say You Love Me. And, of course, you know, M2M was an Atlantic artist, so they did want to sort of use that to promote them. Um, so that's one of the reasons I think that song got a lot more attention. Can I put you on the spot and ask you what your favorite line from that song is, if you have one? I think it's it's got to be in the first verse. It's got to be, you know, that all the tears in heaven could bring me back to you, which oh, yeah. in terms of sort of summarizing a movie like that, like I said, that, that, that verse is why a lot of folks, well, I don't know about a lot. I haven't taken a survey or anything. 
I, I did see one sort of like rant on YouTube saying, oh, you should hear the real version of the song. And then I, I kind of already knew, no, it wasn't written for the movie. It just works really, really, really well. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe it fits a little too perfectly uh, in that regard. I'm not sure. There's always going to be someone on <laughs> YouTube ranting. <laughs> That's okay. I can understand the confusion. I mean, totally, if, if, so, if I didn't know better, if someone told me it wasn't, I might totally might not believe them but <laughs> so I, I think like i said we do a great discussion of this song back in episode one but i do still feel like it's underrated i do hope that the next time christina puts out like a multi-disc compilation um i didn't see anything scheduled like on itunes for like you know later this year or early next year or anything like that but hopefully the next time she does one of those they can put this song on there and hopefully the right version but um you know, they, they've done that a couple years ago with an NSYNC compilation that came out. They put Somewhere Someday on there. Last year, they were finally able to clear Get Happy from uh, Bewitched. So hopefully this can be the next one that they can get on the next collection. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, we're going to keep it on the English side, sort of, but you've picked Never Too Far From Home. What kind of struck you about this one? This, uh, yeah, it came from that Totally Pokemon CD, and it's just something about it has got... A more serious tone than a lot of the other songs, because um, it was—they're all performed by the Sextet Johto, and they kind of have that really fun feel of Pokemon and discovering the world and the Poke Rap and all that fun stuff. Kind of enjoy the world of Pokemon sort of feel. But there were a couple songs, this one and Biggest Part of My Life, that were just a bit more serious, and this one especially just struck me because. About the time I was able to get my hands on the cassette of it was about the time that uh, my best friend, who was a year older than me, was graduating high school. And soon I was kind of entering into that frame of mind of thinking about the future and my own life's journey. And I actually ended up recording a parody song of this for her that was like really serious and full of tears about graduating and stuff. But it, it just kind of hit me at that time of my life where I realized that I was on a Pokemon journey of my own. This is this show is not fantasy. It is a metaphor for real things that real people are going through. So like the lyrics about knowing that there is somebody at home who is still supporting you, even though you have gone away, was very touching to me. It's really awesome that you have sort of a great little story. Of course, let's see, I was... 2001, I was in my junior year of high school, so um, I think once I went to college a year or two later, yeah, that was uh, kind of a nice song for me as well. It's definitely got that vibe, although I do have to say, whenever I hear it, I I feel like, you know, this could have been repurposed and rewritten into a song for a telephone company commercial. <laughs> Sorry to say that. It's hard to sort of kill your serious argument there. <laughs> no, but, no, no. Uh, that uh, that always kind of struck me about this particular song is that you could sort of wind. It's, it seems like it would be really good for that particular purpose. But I, I do like the vibe. Yeah, no, it's got sync placement potential. And uh, <laughs> we should mention this This was not a um, karaoke mod. In other words, there wasn't an end segment before the credits where they had this one, but it was used in a fourth season episode. If I remember correctly, Houndoom's Special Delivery. This is the one where Togepi gets separated from the group and a Houndoom sort of starts taking care of uh, it for a while and stuff like that. And, and during a sort of montage, which has a Raikou cameo in it, 
uh, as part of a thunderstorm. Um, this song plays. It has slightly different lyrics than what was on there, so they must have done several different takes there and, and picked one for the CD and I guess one for the episode or something like that. Be nice to know a little bit more. I, I have always wanted to track down some of the one or more of the folks from Jodo. I mean, they're all still around somewhere, but uh, finding them and uh, getting the timing has been really difficult. And uh, I keep looking every now and again, and I hope I, I get that. But yeah, this is maybe not, certainly not the most famous one. Uh, you know, Chili Pokemon, not as popular as To Be a Master as an album, but still, I would say, pretty pretty nice there. <laughs> okay, well, uh, staying in the Johto region, uh, on the English side, uh, one of my picks is called Master Pokemon. Now, just to clarify, this is not the title track from Tubia Master. This has nothing to do with Tubia Master. And if you want to try and find this, unfortunately, it is quite difficult. So, it's not a particularly long song. It's only a little over a minute. Um, but, it was shown in a couple places. You might have seen it on Kids WB. They would occasionally throw it in the middle of a commercial break as what's called a Top Tunes Tune. Uh, there were a couple for some of the other shows. I think there was one for The Mummy, one for Jackie Chan Adventures, a couple out there. Um, but this one was the Pokemon one in that series. I believe, I, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing it, at the U.S. theatrical run of Pokemon Forever, before the movie started, they would play this, uh, sort of, I guess, in place of a short, uh, which they didn't do for the theatrical runs of the fourth and fifth movies. But um, I was able, thankfully, to dig up some stuff. Uh, for a long time, if you looked on YouTube, if you were able to find this, you'd find some like VHS rips that people had of this. It's never been commercially released in any form or put as a DVD extra, unfortunately. But apparently, the person who did this, um, I only have their channel name, which is Xandad, X-A-N-D-A-D. Uh, we can throw in a link here. Kept all of his stuff and... Uh, a couple years ago, put them all on YouTube on his channel there. And he has some information about how this was produced. I'm going to briefly read this, but uh, basically he had about a week to do it. He had to create, uh, there's this music video that goes with it, and he had to create uh, a lot of the stuff there by piecing together anime stuff, using uh, 3D rendering software. It sounds like it took him about 80 hours over the course of that week to get it done, including some work over Labor Day weekend. My goodness. Um, so uh, quite a bit of production went into that video, and I think it looks really nice, too. Um, in case you're wondering, the performer is listed as K-O-I. So according to this uh, write-up here, it's Allison Koi, K-O-I Howard. Um, haven't had any luck tracking either of these people down for an interview. Would love to learn more. But uh, like I said, this is a pretty obscure song. Um, if you've never heard it, uh, first of all, hopefully you can find it and take a listen, but... It's sort of this, um, it's got this sort of British sounding woman, uh, Allison, I guess, doing some, some rapping, talking about various things with Pokemon, you know, Mill Tank for a Mile or something like that. I, uh, um, Hoot Hoot's Light. And it, it, it's actually really fun to listen to. I really wish it was longer and uh, had more verses and stuff like that and wasn't just this little thing. But it, it is sort of in the vein of the PokeRap and PokeRap GS and, Quite frankly, it blows uh, Hoenn Pokerap out of the water, but uh, (laughs) 
it, it's got a really great vibe, and I, and I really wish it were available commercially in some form, but at least it is out there. You can hear a, a decently high-quality version of it. Uh, and do you have any thoughts on this song? Well, just I agree with you. I wish it I wish it was longer. I wish it had more play. Like, when you showed it to me, it sounded vaguely familiar, but it sounds like, like, I don't know, it's just such a fun song. It could have easily been one of the hits on something like To Be a Master, or or one of those such CDs. So it's a it's a kind of a shame that we don't know more about it and and kind of sing it more often, I guess, or have it in the lexicon rather. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like I said, I really love this one, and I really wish there was another way to get it. But like I said, it, it's just underappreciated, which like I said <laughs> is the topic of this episode. But uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen it before, do check it out. It, it is if you're doing a raw search, it's pretty hard to find on YouTube. But we will post a link to the guy who produced it, put it up there, and uh, and that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, we're gonna get to your third one right now. Let's see. That is, uh, what was that about the sky again? <laughs> yeah. <Sorry>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Soka ni sora ga arukara. Yeah. This is the ending theme. Um, one of the ones used in Advanced Generation, the first one, I believe. Um, and it is written. Well, it gets complicated. The performing artist is Ezaki Toshiko, um, and she is sometimes credited as the composer, but not always, and we'll get to that. Um, but she is a, a singer, songwriter, composer, and crystal bowl player from <laughs> Kyoto, Japan, woman of many talents. Um, and she also produces and composes for a lot of other artists. Um, she's written and um, produced several albums for herself, but she seems to get most of her work working with other well-known artists. Another person who is sometimes credited in composing is a woman named uh, Mitome Kazumi, and she worked at Square uh, before it became Square Enix, and she was mostly doing sound effects creation, but eventually got into composing work and did some stuff for Pokemon like Giratina and the Sky Warrior, and is sometimes credited as being the uh, composing and maybe producing this track. It gets a little confusing, and I am terrible with name kanji. So it, it, I, without the liner notes right in front of me, I don't think I could give you a solid on who did exactly what for this song. But it's 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 just this song will break your heart. It's just so sad, and it's kind of just got that minor feel. And I love the lyrics of it. It it feels like the sort of thing that Pikachu could sing to Ash or vice versa. It, it's just kind of lifting up somebody who has fallen, I guess, or or experienced some hardship and being like, look around, like, look at the, the road you've walked, the, the road you're going down. Like, it's okay if you fall, you're you, and that makes you wonderful. Like, just, it just makes me cry, this song. It's just so sweet. <laughs> Yeah, it's got a wonderful bit of uh, melancholy to it. I have yeah. to absolutely <laughs> give it that. I think instrumentally, one of my favorite parts is that, I'm not sure if it's a flute or some other type of woodwind instrument that plays mm. throughout. It's got that great sort of uh, sweet sorrowness to it, I suppose you could say. Yeah. And, and it, without it, this song would uh, instrumentally not be nearly as, as good. I'm not going to say it's my favorite ever, but it is very good. Yeah, no, it's just a a nice, unique little piece kind of tucked away in those ending themes that's really quite nice. Yeah, it, it actually kind of sounds like uh, something you would hear maybe in a more 
serious anime as an ending theme or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, no, when you stack it up against, you know, Pokemon, and it's like stuff like Brock's girl song or, or Two Perfect Girls or the Glory Day, stuff like that. It, it seems just that little bit different that it, it just suddenly takes a, a more melancholic turn. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's really quite special. I. <laughs> what are the lyrics talking about? You sort of alluded to it a little bit, but give us some more details. Yeah, it, it's kind of from the point of view of somebody trying to encourage somebody who is, is clearly suffering from something, whether that's a failure or, or I don't know, poor self-image or something. Um, and they're talking about, like, when you see a smile, it seems your sorrow will be healed. Uh, the sun, you know, is, is going to peer through the crack in the clouds and shine on your, like, frank eyes. And those who have been hurt cannot see the blue sky, like lines like that. Um, and, you know, if you hesitate, e even if you hesitate to walk on this journey, like your life will still shine as long as you're walking. So it, it's just kind of that trying to encourage somebody who, like, I, I don't know, maybe they're depressed, like, but just trying to buoy them up and, and get them to keep going because as long as they keep going, eventually they will be able to appreciate the sky that's still shining on them kind of thing. Yeah, now you did mention Ash and Pikachu. I, you know, since we have those those new characters, anyway, this could, this could apply to May or who knows, even Max or Brock. I think it definitely could. I, I say Ash and Pikachu specifically because in the ending theme, they are the two pictured. That that music video playing along with the song creates a very intimate sort of feel between the two of them. But yeah, no, it definitely could apply to any of them, to Brock as he's going on his journey, to May who spends that entire season like insecure and hesitating on her path. It, it definitely could apply to any any character in this anime because they are all on journeys and they are all supported by friends and family who are helping them to keep going. Um, but I definitely do think there is kind of a special focus on those two that kind of made them choose to put the two of them in that ending theme trailer and nobody else very interesting choice yeah i do kind of wish we got these uh, sort of endings um more so like 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 that in terms of like the visuals there but you know yeah. it just doesn't always work out there with licensing and stuff like that but this this is a very a fairly unique especially as an like an ending to the anime um you know in, in the tv series we don't get much like this more so in the movies sometimes but definitely not in the tv series very often yeah. Yeah, I remember in Pokemon Symphonic Melody, that ending theme, the visuals too, also had a moment where like, suddenly the music, the happy music just took a dive and Ash was crying and like everybody had to come over and like pull him out of it kind of a thing. So I wonder if they were kind of like trying to play with different depths to Ash's character or something at that time. Yeah. Okay, well, I've got one more song as well, and the one I picked is Pokemon Chronicles, and uh, yeah, we kind of spoiled it earlier. This is not the English Pokemon Chronicles theme, which is this, to be honest, kind of strange variant of PokéRap GS. Uh, instead, this is the Italian version, and um, so one thing you should know is through the sometime in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, 
in Italy for a lot of children's shows. I don't know if this was a legal thing or just something that became sort of a pattern or what. They would not do a dub of like the U.S. opening theme. Instead, they would write a new song, and uh, they were usually performed by uh, one or two specific people during that time period. Um, let's see, I, I'm probably going to not do very well in these names, but I'll try. Christina Diavina and Giorgio Vanni are the two names you will see a lot. As far as Pokemon goes, they did the these unique themes from Season 1 all the way up through... At least the first season of Diamond and Pearl. There's Pokemon Diamante e Perla, uh, I think is what it is there. And uh, I should let you know that if you want to take a listen to these, they're actually not very hard to find commercially. If you go on iTunes, there's a big compilation called The Master Saga. And then a couple of uh, Christina Diavina's uh, compilation albums have some of the other ones there. So if you dig through, you can find them pretty well. They're actually pretty easy to get, which is uh, something we won't be able to say for some of the other countries we may talk a lot, little bit about later. But uh, yeah, so for Italy, they went through and they made an entirely new song just for Pokemon Chronicles, which, as you may recall, was distributed somewhat differently depending on what territory you were in. That may be part of the reason they haven't done more of it, is it's just logistically difficult. But uh, it, it's got a mixture of English and Italian lyrics, and I, to be honest, don't really know what the Italian part of it says. I just really love the way this one sounds. Uh, of course, the English part of it starts out, you know, I want to be with the Pokemon. Uh, I want to be in the Pokemon world, and Pokemon Chronicles. It's, it sounds a lot better in the actual song. Um, it is still obviously a little bit cheesy there just because of the nature of it, but... I just, there's so much um, excitement and emotion in this version of the song, or in this the song that they created. Uh, Anna, did you get a similar vibe from there? Absolutely. It's so fun. And I've listened to a couple of those Italian ones as well, like during the days of burnt CDs, um, illegally obtained ones probably. I A friend of mine gave me a couple of them, and I wasn't quite sure what I had. But I put myself through college as a janitor, and I would sing to those songs, even though I don't speak a lick of Italian. <laughs> they were just so happy and so, like, full of energy. I loved them. And, yeah, this one especially is just it's just so bouncy. And and, and I love the – this one has apparently both Christina and uh, Giorgio – and uh, which I, I guess is Italian variant of George or something like that. But there's this part in it where they're sort of, uh, it seems like they're doing a call and response type of deal. And I just, I really do, do, do love uh, listening to these. It's just a, a ton of, a ton of fun. And I'd certainly recommend you, you check these out. Uh, another good one in the Italian wheelhouse, I would say, is uh, the Master Quest, which of course is the Italian season five theme. It's got that kind of weird uh, can't stop the future. <laughs> it's a little bit – if you just listen to the English parts, if that's all you get, some of these are a little bit odd. But they're all pretty – and they all have remixed versions for at least like the first five seasons or so that I think are used in the movies um, that have those. So uh, some really great stuff that if you, you're not aware um, of uh, – hopefully you are now, and I really recommend you check those out. And, of course, uh, we we got some feedback from the listeners here. I'm going to start with the stuff I got on my end. So, let's see. This one's from, I uh, hope I got this name relatively close, Louise 
Avendano. So he says, I believe Go Pokemon Go from the Pokemon X album. Again, that's the 2006-2007 CD, not the game soundtrack. Is the most underrated Pokemon song ever. He says it has beautiful vocals. I would like to know who is the singer of the song. I did reply back to him. Um, based on my knowledge, it is uh, Astushi Toya Tokuya. I have no idea if I said that right, but that's who I have listed down. To be honest, the part towards the end that uh, sort of speeds up and is a little bit different from the song is kind of my favorite part. This was used, uh, part of it was used as the ending theme song for the season nine in the uh, Battle Frontier. Uh, you would hear this playing over the end credits. Um, to be honest, I, I think I got kind of tired of it after a while. Uh, believe it or not, I actually kind of took it off the station um, during the sort of the waning days of PIRN. Um, just because I was getting kind of fatigued by it, I, I, it just um, and and if you went to one of like the Journey Across America events that they had back in two thousand six, oh yeah, um, they uh, they had this thing playing like consistently on loop um, at the, uh, at all the regional events it. for that. <laughs> that was maybe not the the best choice. Like I said, I don't want to say it's awful, um, but I definitely got tired of it after a while. So sorry, sorry, Luis. What about you, Anne? Any thoughts on this one? You know which one we're talking I, about? I actually don't have any thoughts. Like, it's kind of one of the ones that slipped under my radar. So, uh, like, I mean, I'd probably recognize it if someone started playing it. But, yeah, I'm, like, struggling to come up with the opening melody. <laughs> yeah, I think it was also used with the uh, Mastermind of Mirage Pokemon. So that may be another reason. I've never bothered I, to watch that yeah. whole thing. So, And you don't need to. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sorry to the folks who who worked on that, but <laughs> my podcast will cover it someday. Yeah, no, I'm sure they all everyone did their best, but like I have thoughts about it. That is one part of the the voice actor transition that is maybe best skipped over. Sorry, like I said, I know you tried. I don't I don't hate you for it or anything. It was it was not a brilliant script from the get go. So they had they were working with poor materials. <laughs> But it, uh, yeah, so, so, but if you like that song, you know, that's fine. I mean, I'm not gonna berate you or, or say you're a terrible person or anything like that. That's not the point of this series. Yeah, no, when he brings up beautiful vocals, I kind of now wonder why I don't know this song, so I might have to go check it out. So thank you for, for recommending it. Yeah, the actual singer seems to be quite accomplished, and, and I'd love to hear some of her other material, although I don't know where I would, I'd have to dig for that, I suppose. All right, well, next one I have is. Jerusalem Garcia, uh, he says, I'm going to say that several songs from the 4Kids era, Everything Changes, My Best Friends, You Can Do It If You Really Try, Together Forever, all talk about the importance of friendship and how change is part of the journey and adventure. In the Totally Pokemon CD, the game, biggest part of my life, and You and Me and Pokemon also stand out to me. The former, because the lyrics are general and don't specifically, or don't explicitly focus on Pokemon. However, you can tell that the message is serious and something you shouldn't forget. If you want to move ahead, you need to work hard, but the lessons you learn will stay with you. The latter two remind me that you can be serious, but there's always room to have fun. It's hard to forget the memories we make in the games, watching anime, or reading the manga, and we'll always be grateful for those times. So yeah, I think that's something we need to definitely say here, is that you know there's a lot of memories 
built into these songs from playing mm-hmm. the games, watching the TV show, and, and this sort of helps to compartmentalize that. Uh, so I think that's one of the definite values here. A pretty wide swath with the, the songs here. I mean, you know, other than like You and Me and Pokemon, My Best Friends, and Together Forever, um, those were the ones that had, you know, the short-form videos in the Pikachu's jukebox or karaoke mon segments. The other ones, not so much. Um, Anne, uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm definitely seeing a theme going through them, yeah. Yeah, I think I think this person, Jerusalem, I think we have a similar taste. Like, yeah, the gravitating towards the more serious and like, what is, what is the meaning of this show and the memories that we make that are more than just the fun times, but also the serious ones as well. Yeah, these are the songs that capture them a lot. And yeah, biggest part of my life, oh. I mean, Pokemon, yes, it's a commercial (laughs) venture. It's designed to to sell stuff. But, you know, Mm -hmm. they they expect us to buy things because they believe that they represent a value to us as consumers. You know, I always try to square things that way. But uh, I I also did mention everything changes I wanted to call out here because I really wish that had like a – you could do a really cool music video with that, with some like trick editing and stuff like that. I think there's some real potential there. It's kind of a shame that didn't get a a Pikachu's jukebox uh, version of it. But I I think you could do some really neat things there. I think maybe one of the reasons they didn't do that is there's technically an an inaccuracy in the song and that Brock is in there when Butterfree evolves, but that didn't, he wasn't there yet. Maybe that's what stopped them. I don't know. Okay. uh, Next one up, Lapras GD. Um, That's someone from Germany. Hard to pick a specific one, but pretty much all the songs from the other Asian countries, Thailand, Korea, Cantonese, speaking part of China, no one ever talks about those. Uh, For the most part, they're original songs, but uh, still thinks they're pretty nice. Let's see. Mentioned a couple. uh, Yonha, a Korea ending song for the Zoroark movie, was just picked as a random example. Uh, Didn't think it was as good as the, you know, Ice Cream Syndrome from Sukuma Switch, but uh, did this person did like that uh, more than the Western versions. And it isn't mentioned. Yeah, that's that's one thing there is that the outside of like the U.S., Japan, and some of the European stuff, like we mentioned the Italian stuff, as a counterpoint, you know, Korea, China, I would love to have gotten, you know, those, those songs and, getting, you know, like play them on the station because some of them, do seem to be quite good, but locating them down is is virtually impossible. I mean, I know Korea's population wise not a super huge country, but it's it's really a shame. But their but their music industry is really quite huge. It's kind of right on par with Japan's, though. So yeah, no. When I saw you emailed me the the comments, I was I started looking for a couple of them. But being that I don't read Korean or Chinese, I was never quite sure. It, if I was actually getting a Pokemon song or, you know, if it was a fan vid or something. But yeah, no, anybody who wants to recommend stuff we should check out, like, I'll definitely be looking up uh, Yu- Yunha. But if you've got any others, Lapras GD, send them over. I would love to look them up um, and, and see if I start becoming a fan of some of those songs. Yeah, it is kind of a shame. I guess maybe they're more well known in that part of the world, but it seems like if it's not Japanese and it's not something desi- derived from English in some way, it seems like it is pretty hard to find, which is really unfortunate. It's it's true. Japan or America rules the Pokemon fandom on the internet. You're in one of those camps and everybody else just kind of 
<laughs> seems to sit by the side. So definitely promote the the songs you love so that we can we can know about them. And Anne, you did get one comment on your Patreon about this. Why don't you read that one off? Yeah, Anime Guy had a couple that he wanted to throw into the ring. Um, the Johto Poke Rap. Uh, he says the main one was amazing, but takes all the glory of the Poke Rap and the Hoenn one I never found to be that enjoyable. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems to be a theme here. But yeah, no, I'm with him. I, I love the Johto Poke Rap too. Uh, he also says, uh, Johto Champions English opening, uh, Born to Be a Winner. Um, of most of the songs, I see this one talked about the least, and it's an amazing song, one of my favorite openings. Um, and he also recommends the XYZ opening, Stand Tall, specifically the Volcanian movie version. He says, it's a great song, and I end up singing it to myself, uh, during work. Um, and I, I had never actually heard that one, so when he recommended I went to look, that has got some sweet electric guitar, that Vulcanian movie version of Stand Tall. It's kind of amazing, and I love it. Yeah, as far as, you know, <laughs> we're getting into the, of course, the modern era, the Ed Goldfarb era, I think yeah. I kind of think he's a better arranger and composer than he is a lyricist. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. But uh, he has put out some, some, some good stuff uh, of the, like, two... XY original ones. I guess Stand Tall is probably the better one. Um, I'm not going to say I'm the hugest fan of of either of those, but he 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 does some 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 decent work out there. Mm. Yeah, Born to Be a Winner too. I'm I'm really so glad. Like I have like 50 honorable mentions, but Born to Be a Winner was one of them. Like it's just I love the chorus. I love kind of the remixing of the original theme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it it's parallels what song. was done in the Japanese side where they also mm. redid, you know, aim to be a Pokemon master, but there it was much more direct. Here on the English side they decided to add a little more to it. And of course, you know, on the English side it's the first David Rolf theme which would last yeah. through season 8 and one of these days I got to I got to find uh out where he is these days and do an interview because I would love absolutely to do that. Some some really good choices. I mean, there's so much out there that I guess you could say a lot of it is underrated. But, yeah. um, you know, that was one of always the hard parts of running a, a radio station. But, yeah, you know, if you have any further <laughs> stuff, certainly give us a comment or drop us an email. Um, can't say we'll get that into a future episode, but we always love hearing that. Yeah. Hey, if we get enough of them, like, I would not mind sitting down a couple months in the future and doing around two of this so yeah absolutely but with that said i think that's going to wrap up this episode so uh, let's look forward we did say this was the break between advanced generation and diamond and pearl so our next movie is movie 10 the rise of dark cry yes so this is uh, another kind of unusual one because on the japanese side we have oddly an english song mm-hmm it is I Will Be With You, Where the Lost Ones Go, performed by Sarah Brightman. And uh, there's actually a couple different versions of that, so we'll have some fun talking about that. On the English side, uh, we have, well, a British singer, technically speaking. She uh, has been living here in the U.S. for a while, I suppose. But uh, Kirsten Price gives us I'll Always Remember You. And... Uh, this is kind of a, a, a divisive one um, with some folks. I think I am in the minority opinion, but I'll leave you to decide what that is until next time. <laughs> um, and I, I think I have some maybe not perfect reasons uh, or maybe not perfectly defensible reasons um, for that. Uh, I'll leave you to your mind to try and figure out what that is. 
Um, it's music. They, we don't have to have logical reasons to like or, or dislike something. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, and Been great having you on. Always. Thank you. This has been Stephen Reich from the Pokepress Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, discussing some underappreciated Pokemon songs. Hi folks, Steven here. So, I wanted to take a little bit of time out right now to talk about Pokemon Pinball. So, if you're not familiar with this series, such as it is, uh, there were two games. One was for the Game Boy Color, and one was for the Game Boy Advance. They were both developed by Jupiter Corporation. Each game had two tables, and sort of true to the theme, they focused not just on, you know, getting a high score, but also trying to collect and evolve Pokemon to sort of fill out uh, your Pokedex. And uh, to sort of spice things up, each table would have a couple of sort of mini-games slash bosses that you would get to play occasionally. So you may be wondering, well, why do you think about that now? Well, as you may know, a week or two ago, there were a couple of pinball games released on Nintendo Switch. Uh, one of those is Pinball FX3. That is by Zen Studios. It has uh, more of a, a fantasy bend to it in that a lot of the tables have things that you couldn't quite do in a regular pinball table, but it is still very much a pinball game. The other one that was released is Stern Pinball Arcade, and uh, those are much more real-world table-based. Uh, they're basically Stern's a pinball company, so that's what they have, and they've digitized those for that one. So I have been playing both. I've been enjoying them a lot. I think I like the Zen one a little bit more. But uh, it got me wondering, you know, what if they made a new Pokemon Pinball today? What would that be like? Well, first of all, you have to ask who would develop it. Now, Jupiter is still around. Uh, they've mostly lately been making Picross games. They made Pokemon Picross for the 3DS and a new Picross game for the Switch that came out a couple months ago. Um, and uh, of the two developers I mentioned a little bit earlier today, uh, Zen, I think, might be uh, better suited to if they were given the task to uh, make a Pokemon pinball game, since you know, they have that sort of not quite bound to what a regular pinball table can do, which I think would, would definitely fit uh, the Pokemon uh, design better. But, uh, you know, you pick someone to work on it, what about mechanics? Well, I, I, there should definitely still be an emphasis on catching, evolving, all that stuff that the uh, older games had. However, I would like to see some more diverse themes. You know, the original games only had two tables each, which, you know, was kind of okay then, but now we do kind of expect more. And uh, I think they could do a lot with, like, specific areas of the game, like maybe make a Safari Zone table. Or, that you know, they could do some of the side games, like a Mystery Dungeon table could be interesting, or a Ranger table would be probably a good theme. Uh, they could also do stuff based on, say, some of the movies. Although, I have to say, once you get to that point, you know, you're talking about getting voice actors and stuff, uh, definitely there. And uh, you could run into licensing issues. If you take a look at the Zen um, Pinball FX3 ET table, they had to make some definite compromises there due to uh, voice actor availability and licensing rights to certain parts of the movie, which is kind of a shame that that can happen. Uh, another thing I'd like to see, I think would be pretty interesting to implement, would be some sort of achievement or level-up system. Uh, Pinball FX3 does a pretty good job of this. If you complete your own goals, you'll get you know, these little announcements that say, hey, you got this, uh, basically this achievement. 
And uh, you can also level up certain skills, um, sort of like make the bumpers give you more points or get rewarded for how far the ball goes. You can turn that stuff off, of course, if you want to play, you know, more straight pinball, but that's in there. And I think that would uh, resonate well with sort of the, the cross uh, Pokemon and pinball audience. But uh, in any case, what are your thoughts? Are you at all interested in such a game? Uh, if so, who would you want to develop it? Uh, what kind of features would you be looking for? Give us a comment. Always love hearing that. All right, folks, thanks. Hi, folks, Steven here. So, I recently completed Super Mario Odyssey, and besides really liking the game overall, I couldn't help but notice some similarities between it and, of all things, the Poke Park series. Now, obviously, these games are by no means identical, and yes, I have played previous 3D Mario games, but I did want to mention some of the common vibes I got between the two. So, one of the notable aspects of Odyssey is the large number of roaming NPCs you'll find on any given map. As you pass by, many of them will show a small speech bubble, giving some insight into their character. The same thing happens in Poke Park, though I did notice the NPCs there make more of an effort to interact with each other. So maybe if we see in Odyssey 2, that's something they could try to add in. I also observed that some of the modeling work in Odyssey seemed reminiscent of that in Poke Park. In particular, the town of Severa in the Snow Kingdom just seems structurally similar. Perhaps it's the layout, or maybe the abundance of snow gives it a plainer look, like a game from an earlier console generation. Or maybe the residents seem like something that would be a good Pokémon design. Who knows? <laughs> now, of all the things you do in Odyssey, there is one activity that gave me a strong flashback to Poké Park, and that's carrying these seeds around. A number of the kingdoms in the game ask you to pick these up and transport them somewhere to be planted. Likewise, in Poké Park, there are these objects, usually found in... Um... Hmm... that you can pick up and give to characters. Not a huge thing, but these fetch quests definitely gave me some deja vu while I was doing them. Beyond that, there are a number of smaller similarities, such as forms of transportation, some level environments, and I even noticed a parallel to something else from the Pokémon franchise. That being said, I'm not accusing Odyssey of being a ripoff or anything like that, just stating some commonalities that may explain some of why I liked it. In any case, what are your thoughts? Are there other things you noticed? Are there other games you'd like me to compare? Feel free to leave us a comment. Alright folks, thanks! Hi folks, Steven here. So I wanted to share kind of a, a question that's uh, sort of been rattling in my head about the anime uh, recently, maybe because of where PQP Podcast has gotten to. And uh, it's about Drew and Harley, and, and I kind of wonder if those two characters may have actually damaged the reputation of contests in the, uh, in the anime. So if you don't remember who those were, those were the main male contest rivals in Generation 3. So uh, th these were the folks that May went up against quite a bit. Drew was similar in age to May. It's a very slick appearance with his hair and whatnot, and I, I have to say he has kind of a child star persona is probably the best way I can put it. And uh, to be quite honest, uh, he doesn't, <laughs> doesn't like females very much. He's a bit of a misogynist, to be honest. Um, so, you know, maybe not the most likable character there. Uh, if we move over to Harley, Harley is either in his late teens or as a young adult, and uh, you may remember he has that Cacturn costume that he, he wears really all the time, I think. 
And sort of one of his characteristics, I would say, is he's incredibly vain. Um, he cares very much about his appearance and has to sort of prove himself to be not just a better coordinator, but really more fashionable and stuff like that, I guess, is, is kind of how it goes. And, uh, you know, the sort of commonality between these two characters, they're both very hostile to May and the other uh, members of the twerps, I suppose. And I kind of wonder if, you know, these aren't very likable characters, and I wonder if that may have turned uh, male viewers off to contests, because, you know, these these don't... If you are a male and you're into contests, if you see these characters, you think, maybe this is what the people who made the games, or at least the people who made the anime, think of you, or who they expect to be interested in this, and it might come off as kind of demeaning. So let's do a little comparison here, though, because, you know, in the fourth generation they have contests as well, and Dawn has some male uh, competitors that show up from time to time. First off, there's Kenny, who is a childhood friend who has gotten into contests. He's more friendly, although he does sort of tease uh, Dawn uh, using the Dee Dee nickname. I won't totally spoil what that leads up to, but... Um, and then I, I want to point out Nando, who is sort of this this artisan guy. He's got a really nice hat. He's got a Mew harp. Uh, some some really great things there. Very different from Harley um, as sort of the adult rival there. And uh, I guess their goal might have been to come up with more inviting and positive representatives of the male gender in contests. But, you know, maybe at that point it was too late. The damage had already been done. But what I really want to know here is, uh, what do you think? Uh, did you sort of make a similar observation there? Did you just kind of ignore that? And now you're, now you're listening to this, you think, oh yeah, that, that is kind of like that. Uh, obviously, contests had some other issues. You know, you had to play through the main game to do, to do the contests. And I really do think that sort of the, the way things are integrated now with some of the grooming stuff you can do after battles, if the overall goal is to sort of, you know, make something more attractive to females without alienating males, I think that might be a better thing than trying to uh, have a separate mode like that. But uh, whatever your opinion, go ahead, give us a comment. We always love hearing that. All right, folks, thanks. Thanks for listening to the PokePress Digest Podcast. We'd appreciate if you rate or review us on your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to find more of our great content, visit our website at pokepress.blogspot.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to pokepress at gmail.com or follow at pokepress on Twitter. Mm, yeah, d- didn't you find some of these on vinyl a while back or something? Or am I... No, I think you got that confused, so... Confused um, with someone else? Okay, never mind. Or something else, rather. Uh, in the Italian market, they also did some other interesting things, like they remixed the Pokemon dance mix, the Vicky Sue Robinson song. Ah, <gasps> oh, that might have been it. Yeah, so they've got uh, the Italian Pokedance single, different from like the French one, which is a totally different song. Um, but the Italian one has these uh, remixes of it that were put onto vinyl, which is, uh, you can see that in, of course, my my vinyl Pokemon music video, uh, video that I did uh, uh, a ways back.